everybody. Welcome to another episode of Drive Through FM, simultaneously a podcast and a YouTube vlog. As you can tell by the title, you can see this is going to be my top 10 anticipated Essen releases. This one's dropping about a week earlier than I would normally drop the podcast uh, due to some scheduling deals. I was over in Seattle for a wedding last weekend, different stuff. I've got some games that are going to be coming out and going to be reviewed. That backlog's kind of starting to build up. And I've got actually some of the games that are on this list now in front of me. So I said, well, let me hit the pause button and then, you know, jump into this list. There's not a lot of preamble or any other games to review or talk about on this episode of the podcast. Let's just jump right into my top 10 Essen anticipated games. And so criteria for this was pretty simple. There's a couple of things I wanted to make note of. One, it's got to be for sale. So I'm not putting any demo stuff on here. Uh, there is a repeat of something that was on my Gen Con list that was demoable at Gen Con. I never got a chance to see it. I don't know that many people actually really did. So that kind of carries over to this. And I had to have an English version for sale. Uh, so, you know, German versions are great. There's actually a lot of games that it looks like only the German version is going to be available for sale at Essen that I'm probably interested in once the English edition comes out. Uh, but I just, just to kind of keep the list sort of manageable. I kept it to anything for sale, anything for English, and then anything that I liked. So I broke it down to 10, and I've got a pretty strong, for me, 10 that I feel very strongly about that I'm interested in. There's a couple of hangers on and stuff that I won't bother mentioning, but I feel like this is a good, strong uh, 10. So when I took a look at the Board Game Geek Geek List, and they have over 1,070 games right now at the time of this recording on the Geek List that are there. So when I pair that down to titles for sale, is about 940 for sale. And not all of those are brand new games in that list, and not all of those are only English. There's not really a good way to filter that list. So I would probably ballpark it at about 800 games or so once you kind of peel off some of those that are brand new English releases that are for sale, which is a ton. And I've got that somehow down to 10. So I'm always, obviously I'm gonna kind of miss out on some stuff and maybe some stuff I just kind of glanced over that I'd actually be super interested in, but there's so many. So let's go ahead and jump into the list. This is not ordered by like most anticipated. I basically have it sorted by publisher. And then every publisher has one game, except for this first one I'm gonna talk about. There's actually two games from them that I'm super interested in. And I'll have a link to my sort of uh, filtered list on Board Game Geek in the video description. You can take a look at that. But let's go ahead now, we'll jump into the list and this should go pretty quickly. Uh, I'll talk a little bit more about it at the end and maybe some other criteria. I was kind of using esoteric stuff. But let's just go ahead and get quick and jump into the list. So the first game on the list is from Capstone Games. This is one of two games actually from Capstone Games on the list. And every other publisher, like I said, I only got one game out of their list. Uh, but Capstone has a ton of games coming out. Uh, they've had a ton of games at, at Gen Con, now at Essen, a lot of really cool stuff. Uh, the first one though is Bus, which is actually a very old game. I believe it came out Gosh, I don't know, the early 2000s and maybe even the late 90s, I'm not really sure. Bus is sometimes credited as being the first worker placement game. And because of that, I really always wanted to play it. And it's also originally a splatter game, and it's still a splatter game, but uh, Capstone is kind of partnering with them to bring it over in a little bit more of an affordable manner. And the other thing that's really neat about this, other than, hey, it's the first worker placement game, so what? It's a splatter game, so what? Uh, is it has a time travel mechanic in it that looks really funny and really cool and really interesting and very mean. Uh, so players will be kind of taking sort of action selection, worker placement kind of things to set up various bus routes 
and then you're going to kind of like activate them at some point and sort of spin them and generate points and money and stuff like that. That's not exactly true, but I'm trying to be quick. And then there's also an ability to take sort of a time travel action to sort of speed things up and mess with things. And it, the game really embraces like that time travel, time manipulation aspect of it, which I think is just really cool and funky. And that seems something like that's very, very interesting to, uh, to do. And I've watched a playthrough on the Heavy Cardboard channel. And when I watch that, I watch basically the whole thing. Well, I don't watch usually like entire playthroughs. I'll watch like, you know, a little bit and then get the idea. I was watching the whole thing. I'm like, this game looks fantastic. It looks silly, hilarious, and mean. And I'm like, well, there's another worker placement game that I really love that maybe isn't silly and hilarious, but it's funky and mean, and that's Kalos, which is one of my favorite games of all time. And so I'm very curious to sort of dive in and play Bus as well. Uh, and I really like the old style look and feel of it. I know a lot of people are like, eh, it's old art from like the 90s and early 2000s, so we've updated art and board games now, and it looks prettier. But I still sometimes kind of go back to that, I don't know what it is. I think in a few years or 10 years or something, there's going to be like an art style that's like that mid-90s to mid-2000s board game style that will probably somebody will probably retroactively go back and be like, this was really cool. And, uh, you know, now people kind of poo-poo on that stuff. But sometimes I look at it I'm like, that's super functional and I really like it. Uh, so this kind of has that same vibe to it with Bus. So anyway, that's my first game on the list, the first Capstone game. The second Capstone game on the list is Markaibo. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. Uh, it's by Alexander Pfister, who has done one of my favorite games of all time, is Great Western Trail. And he's done a lot of other games that I have really enjoyed. Uh, but Great Western Trail is really the one that I think is, uh, is my favorite design of his. Is one of, like I said, one of my favorites of all time. And this looks like it's got some sort of inspiration and borrowings from you know, some of his earlier designs. And it's more like a, not pirate, but like, you know, sailing and shipping kind of thing. And so it sort of smells slightly like a Great Western Trail thing. I had a couple of folks uh, tell me that they, it's his most complex game. And I'm like, oh, that's cool, because his stuff is fairly complex. Uh, although for some reason I have a pretty, seems like I have a pretty easy time kind of grokking his games, where maybe some other games that are less complex than his, I don't get for some reason. So there's this little bit of an affinity there for me uh, with his designs. And so every year he kind of seems like he comes out with about one, one game a year. And uh, that's really all I got to say about that one is Alexander Pfister, Capstone's doing it. So I know the production stuff should be really good and the art decisions look really nice. And so kind of the ergonomics and the functionality of the board and all that stuff should be pretty easy to intuit and sort of, you know, understand uh, but it should be a complex game underneath all of that. And so that's that's kind of my expectation uh, with Mark Hybo. Now the next game on the list was also on my Gen Con list, but as a demoable game. And this is from Czech Games Edition. This is Sanctum. And I don't want to repeat myself too much there, but why I'm interested in it is uh, they came out with a game uh, a couple of years ago that was sort of like a first-person shooter but as a board game where you'd run around and shoot stuff and you could respawn and pick up weapons so it really kind of embraced the mechanics of the first-person shooter and this one the sanctum is kind of embracing the mechanics of the isometric action rpg or the diablo game and so it really looks like it leans heavily into replicating again video game mechanics in the board game feel because you could do any kind of like dungeon crawly rpg thing you could go play descent or any of the other kind of derivative games you know that are in that same ballpark 
But this again is, is like leaning heavily into, let's take a video game sort of system, translate that to the board game. So you don't just feel like you're playing in the same world as Diablo, but because you could make like a Diablo themed descent, descent. That would probably be cool. But this is again, leaning heavily on that mechanism. And so I find that pretty fascinating actually. Um, and so that's, that's it. So I, it's just something that seems, seems to be very different. And, you know, that seems really cool. And the art and everything looks really nice for Sanctum as well. And CGE, you know, usually 50-50 shot of them putting out in a game that I really enjoy. And so that is Sanctum. Now, the next game on the list here is from Eagle Griffin Games from Vital Lacerda. And this is on Mars. And this looks like a really fun, fascinating, heavy, crunchy, thematic a game, which is what you would expect from Vital Asserta. Uh, you know, I've really liked the Gallers. I've really liked Venus. Uh, there's a couple other games that I've really liked from him. And his stuff is always like on that heavy, crunchy, you know, Euro deadly side of things. But it always, the theme kind of always sort of comes through that sort of, you know, huge apparatus of mechanisms that's all kind of glommed together. And then when you kind of get through it, the logistics of whatever you're trying to uh, accomplish in, you know, whatever particular setting really comes through and you can really kind of get into that theme of it. And so, you know, in the past several years, we've had a few Mars games, Terraforming Mars, uh, the other game that's like the Robinson Crusoe on Mars. Terror, I don't remember what it's called. And then, uh, you know, from uh, Portal Games and a couple other Mars games. But the fact that, you know, Vitaliser is doing it, you know, Tool is involved, so the, the art and the graphic design is excellent. And, you know, that kind of thing. So it's, you know, Vital kind of does sort of, although lately he's kind of venturing out with some stuff, but he kind of, you know, leans into some of the more Euro-iffy type of things. So you got wine, you got art galleries, you know, very kind of sort of mundane themes, you know, relatively speaking. And so, you know, colonizing Mars and stuff, that's super cool, you know. And I really would like to see, you know, his sort of style of game applied to this sort of fantastical you know, but, you know, not so fantastical, like it's probably theoretically possible in 100 years or 600 if we don't get our act together, you know, to like, you know, get onto Mars in a reasonable way, uh, if ever. And then, you know, that's kind of an interesting kind of mashup there to uh, just very curious how he's going to kind of explore the Mars exploration and development uh, in his design. And I think it's going to look really nice too, because I uh, just haven't looked into the pictures of Ian O'Toole's design and stuff and some of the prototypes. Uh, it looks really good. Now I know this was on Kickstarter, I think, so maybe it shouldn't really be technically Essen release, but it's coming out at Essen. So um, yeah, I'm super excited about On Mars. And the next game was actually also on Kickstarter from a small company called Fun Tales. And this is Glenmore 2. And this is designed by Matthias Kramer, who's done a lot of games that I've really enjoyed. Uh, the original Glenmore, uh, he did like an automobile kind of racing car building version of Glenmore, which I really liked. I actually think was probably a, a little bit more progressive of a design in terms of this, you know, the way he was putting the mechanics together. And, you know, he did Watergate and a bunch of other games, Lancaster. And so I've liked a lot of his games. Um, the theme of the auto game, which I'm forgetting the name of, was a little bit not really feeling like it matched as well as the original Glenmore design did. Um, and so I'm kind of interested to see how the Glenmore 2 works out and some of this kind of new stuff he's kind of learned as he's gone along in his design uh, world. 
Um, and Glen Moore is kind of one of those games for me that kind of always seems to like fall off my radar. And it's a game that I actually really love. You know, I originally did a top 50 list a couple of months ago. And now that I'm, you know, was looking at this game, I'm like, gosh, you know, if I still had Glenmore, it might make my top 50. Because it's just, it's a very cool, quick, funky design that you have some interesting decisions, but it plays really quickly. And it plays pretty decent at all the player counts. Um, uh, you know, I don't know why, but, you know, I got rid of it a long time ago, but some folks in the group still have it when they bring it. Uh, I'm happy to play it. I really do enjoy that game. So I'm really very curious about this and how he's kind of improved it. And maybe that will kind of keep, you know, the second edition or Glenmore 2 will be a little bit more prevalent and stay kind of current, you know, in my brain. <laughs> for me to like keep it in the collection and uh you know you know maybe it'll be a great game for me uh so yeah it'll be interesting to kind of see what kind of updates he brings to that and if you've not played the original glenmore uh, i mean check it out for sure obviously the new one's probably an improvement um but we'll see and uh i'm definitely curious about it uh but definitely take a look at the original glenmore or this one you could probably find the original cheap i don't know if it's in print or what maybe it's long out of print um, but I would keep a keen eye out for this because it's even, you know, I think it's been what, I don't know, eight, eight or nine years since the original Glenmore came out. Uh, I think it's a very smart, interesting design that, uh, has a lot of really cool elements kind of matched together, uh, in terms of like, you know, just kind of your basic kind of medium weight Euro. There's still, still something kind of special about that design. So we'll see if the second one, you know, improves on it. Now, the next game is from Gray Fox Games. And this is actually called War of the Worlds. Uh, this is a two-player deck building game, which is not something I kind of normally like would look out for. Uh, but this seems very interesting, and it kind of feels like it's going to fall into that same sort of vibe as like a few acres of snow or some of the other board game deck builders and stuff like that. There's the Tyrants of the Underdark from uh was a gale force nine that was a multiplayer deck builder but he had this like area control route control stuff going on in the, all those kind of games um now where the world's again one side is going to be martians one side are going to be the humans and so you're kind of fighting over it looks like england or something like that where you are you know you're playing deck building and you're having this kind of combative war game and that's something that is you know consistently pleased me as a style of game it's a two-player dedicated game you've got kind of the territory control and the kind of the the flanking and jockeying and positioning and all that stuff of like a war game but then you've got the whole logistical hand management stuff of the deck building and that's always been pretty cool because you're kind of playing like two games at once you're playing the game on the board against your opponent you're playing them directly but then you're kind of managing your internal resources and all that kind of stuff and morale or whatever the deck represents uh, in the game. So it's kind of nice to kind of juggle those two pieces of the game, your own internal kind of chaos and world and management. And then you still got to worry about your, what your opponent's doing on their turn. And you're both doing that. Um, so it looks pretty neat. And it's kind of, you know, it's a war of the world. So Martians versus humans and stuff. That's funky. I like that. Um, so that is War of the Worlds. Oh, it's actually called War of the Worlds, the new wave. Uh, from Gray Fox Games. Uh, the next game here is from, I believe this is maybe their first game or the first couple of games called from Keep Exploring Games. This is an old game, which I believe won or was nominated for the Spiel des Jahres uh, back in the early 90s or 80s. And this is called Mississippi Queen. Now this edition is going to include the expansion that came out later. And this is uh, kind of a controlled chaos racing game where you're racing these boats down the Mississippi River 
and you're like programming and adjusting speeds and and turning and all this kind of stuff and spending uh, some resources to kind of manage your boat and you're racing these boats down the river and trying not to crash into each other and the different little rocks and islands and things in the river. Um, it looks really fun. Uh, it's a very, very light game. It's probably, it looks like you play it probably about a half hour, 45 minutes. I think it plays up to five or six, depending with the expansion or not. Um, it's got some cool little kind of quaint components. Again, it's kind of, kind of that old style European Euro style art, you know, which I kind of like. It's a simple, very functional thing. Um, so I'm really excited for this because it's this actually been a game that's sort of been like kind of a light grail game for me. I was like, well, that game looks neat. You know, that's like a neat light game, a good family level game that maybe the game group would like as well as the family. And it's got some cool, interesting uh, mechanics. It looks like you have like pretty decent control, but then you've got like a good amount of chaos in there. And it's got some real interesting mechanics with some like dial hero clicks kind of things uh, going on there. And I think that could be super fun. And I kind of like how the board kind of moves along. It kind of moves along and disappears and stuff like that. Um, so I'm very interested to check, uh, check that game out, see if that kind of design still holds up uh, the test of time. And so that's Mississippi Queen. It looks like a very interesting, fun game. Again, both families and gamers uh, hopefully will like. And the next game is coming from Matago, and this is called Paris uh, New Eden. Uh, this looks like a very interesting game, kind of a, a little bit of a departure from what they kind of normally are known for. Um, so it's sort of a sort of a post-apocalyptic idea where you're trying to sort of rebuild Paris after kind of nature is kind of overgrown and taken it over. Um, but it's like kind of a, a medium, light, medium dice drafting game and sort of a resource management, you know, kind of a dice placement type of thing. Uh, the art looks phenomenal, which is not unusual for Matigo. Um, and it just looks really neat. And I like the theme of this. I like that uh, this could be a nice, quick, uh, again, light, casual game but with some good crunch behind it, hopefully. And it's got a very interesting theme. Uh, I like kind of the idea of, you know, folks kind of like theoretically like returning to Paris, you know, kind of rebuilding it and kind of reclaiming it from nature, so to speak. Um, and the art and everything seems to lend itself to that. And then, you know, the whole dice placement thing, uh, it means it won't be like too heavy and too serious of a game as well, which I think kind of goes along. It's kind of a nice contrast actually to that sort of, you know, very kind of serious, sort of dark. You would expect it to be kind of a dark theme, but it's not. It's it's got like kind of a a, a nice look to it, and a nice uh, kind of mechanics backing that. Um, so I expect that to be very interesting. And this is kind of the. This feels like a very Essen game to me, you know, because we've got a lot of different sort of style of games, and you call it Euro games or Ameritrash or a Gen Con release or an Essen release. And this, you, know, you get heavy games, light games, all that stuff. This was like a very Essen release. So it's got a very kind of quirky and nice art feel, a different kind of twisty kind of theme. That's, you know, it's very, but it's kind of a lighthearted take on, you know, because if a city falls to, for whatever reason, and nature is reclaimed, it obviously something bad happened. But it has a nice vibe to it in that theme. And so the, the kind of easygoing mechanics and the dice mechanics should kind of back that up. Um, so I'm very interested to try this. This is always a kind of game that you look at and it's like, this. this I feel like this can only come out at Essen, <laughs> this kind of game. And that's kind of how uh, Paris uh, New Eden feels like. And the ninth and second to last game coming out is from Stronghold Games. This is designed by Friedman Fries. This is called Fire. And this is one of his lighter, quicker card games. 
and I don't know how much of the fabled system is in there. It looks like there's some kind of progression, but what you're basically doing is playing like Space Invaders, but in the card games, if you remember the old Space Invaders arcade cabinet. Uh, and so I have liked Fabled Fruit from him, which came out a few years ago. Um, the other Fable games I haven't really liked at all, to be honest. Uh, but Fabled Fruit I really liked, and that was one that we played, I mean, dozens of times. We played through that sucker at lunch at work all the way through, and we played it every day for weeks. And we really enjoyed it, and I really enjoyed that all the way through. And I also liked uh, an older game he did called Friday, which was a, kind of a solo deck building game. Now this doesn't look like it has too much deck building, although it looks like maybe there's some of that and there's some of that fable aspect of it. So there is some kind of progression, it feels like. Uh, it feels like it's probably all contained in one session, maybe, you know, more like Friday. Um, but I liked, I really liked Friday way back when, and I played that uh, to death. So I talked about my top 50 earlier. I mean, theoretically or ideally, Friday should be in my top 50, the amount of times I played that game. But I played it to the point where, I don't want to say I broke it, but like I, I beat it. I just like rocked the design. Like I could get, the game goes up to level five and I was getting up to like level nine. And uh, there's a certain way once you kind of play the game, and it does take a while to do that. So the game is not, it's worth your money if you ever are considering getting Friday and sitting down and playing it. It didn't, I didn't do this like overnight. Um, but you can play that game and get to the point, I could get get to that point where I'd play like, you know, like three or four sort of hands and I would know, okay, I'm not going to beat it. And then I would just pick it up and clean it up and then I would play it again. And then I would get to the point where like, okay, now, I, now I, I'm certain I can beat it. Only after like three or four hands because you can kind of see how it's going to swing. And it was just like, how badly could I beat it? So after a while, it was like really pushing. And you could get to the point where you had built your deck so well in that game that you could really sort of crush it. If you ever played Ascension and you, if you ever play Ascension where you like throw every card in and you kind of figure out like you can break it open and just get like a thousand points or something in a turn, Friday you could kind of get to that. Um, now again, I don't feel like it's a bad game or broke or anything, but like after several plays, probably a couple dozen, I was able to do that like any time I played it. Um, so I got rid of it, obviously, because I was done. I beat it, sort of. Um, and so I'm curious about this one. This feels like it might be in that same vibe, probably not quite as much of a game, let's say, you know, so to speak. But I still want to really give this one a try and see kind of what he's come up with it. So it's a solo game, and you just kind of play it, and you kind of play Space Invaders. So I'm just curious how the progression and stuff like that's going to work, and if the game actually does work. Uh, so that's Fire from Stronghold. Now, the last game is from... WizKids, and I'm gonna call, I wanna call WizKids Z-Man because WizKids feels like old Z-Man and that's has a lot to do with because Zev uh, Schlossinger, who used to own and run Z-Man uh, years ago, it feels, the games that they come out with kind of feel like the style of game they used to come out with at Z-Man. So they kinda, they kinda shoot a bunch of darts at the wall hoping for a couple to stick. And I don't mean that in necessarily a negative way they just seem to pick like really funky designs, and they're either you're either gonna like them or you're not. Um, I can think of Side Real Confluence, which came out a couple years ago, seemed to hit with a lot of people, not with me, but it's a very funky design, and I'm like, obviously, I'm like, cool, like that's neat, but I don't like to play it. But you know, I'm saying that's the kind of thing that they do, and they come out with lots of weird, wacky, and different games, and that's really good. And so the one on my list this time is Flotilla. And this looks really uh, bizarre and cool. 
and not only thematically but also mechanically. Uh, so thematically, what you're doing is just sort of sort of like Waterworld, the movie, where you're kind of building up these like barges of uh, cities, kind of floating, floating cities, and trying to you know hook them all together. Um, and then, but at some point in the game, and each player is going to kind of do this differently. You're going to flip over your player board, and then you're going to go like to the next mode of the game, which is sort of like the sky mode, where you're now into you're kind of like pu- pushed yourself into the end game. And so the way that that kind of works mechanically as well as thematically, where you kind of you kind of shift into that next level, and you kind of are sort of you know taking the choice and leaping into that next part of the game, you know maybe too soon or maybe too late. That seems like a really cool thing, and we've seen a lot of that kind of stuff happen uh, in games recently. Where even though, like, I might be on some different part of the game, and you might jump to the next part, uh, one thing I can think of off the top of my head is Everdell, where you would play that, and people would just be playing their you know little card tableau game, and then I would jump from you know autumn to winter or winter to spring. And I would kind of reset and do my own thing. And you're still stuck in the previous sort of thing. And Tapestry, this new game from Stonemaier is coming out, where you can kind of progress in ages. And that, it's, and that actually feels thematically makes sense in both of those cases. And now in Everdell, you're not really like literally jumping in time. You're like, okay, I've completed all of my winter preparation. Now I'm going to complete all of my spring preparation. So you're moving to that next stage in kind of like the roadmap. And the same idea with Tapestry where you sort of you know, you progress from era one to era two. Like some people get, you know, access to iron before other people get access to bronze. Some people get access to nuclear weapons before others. So that kind of makes some cool sense. And that's interesting to see this now in this stage of, of a game where, you know, you're kind of, you're sort of scrabbling and squabbling for uh, life and resources in this kind of floating barge world. And then you're escalating to the next level, uh, you know, to do that. So that seems really, and the art and stuff looks really cool. And so, uh, you know, WizKids always want to keep a side eye out, too, because it's always some kind of fucking wacky that they're coming out with. And Flotilla looks like it's going to be a good production, so it should be, you know, pleasurable to play at least once. <laughs> and then, you know, hopefully the gameplay and the mechanics and all that kind of funky era-shifting stuff, uh, you know, sort of seals the deal. So anyway, that's the ten games there. And honestly, these, uh, I talked at the beginning that I would kind of retroactively go back and talked about a little bit more of my criteria. And it, this is the gut feeling. I mean, a lot of these are, I look at the designer, I look at the artwork, I kind of get a fair sense of the mechanics, I get a fair sense of the theme. You know, I look at the publisher, you know, some a publisher that I don't really know about, I kind of take a closer squint at them. Uh, because frankly, I've been bitten in the past with Essen. You, you, it seems like in the past for me, I would always find a handful of games. I'm like, you know, new publisher, brand new game, this looks really wacky and crazy. And then you'd play the game and you're like, this is a pile of dog, you know, and it just doesn't work out. And so anything that was sort of like, now some of these are from brand new publishers, but they carry along with it. Maybe, you know, the designer and the pedigree and some other things that some other ancillary factors to sort of, you know, elevate the stuff. Uh, but there's definitely a lot of games in here that I sort of, uh, blew by just because there were some red flags and stuff. I'm like, well, that feels like a red flag. That feels like before, but maybe they're fine and they're going to be great games. Or they had some trouble with a Kickstarter or they had, you know, some other issue. Like I'm like, yeah, that graphic design looks a little funky there. (laughs) Like, you know, so 
anyway, that's my list. A lot of this is gut feeling, um, but definitely take a closer look at, the, at, at these 10 games. I think um, I'm pretty excited about all 10 of these. Uh, so that's the list. And so we'll be jumping into getting reviews uh, going again next week. And uh, so hopefully there's some good stuff and we have some fun. So thanks.